If you have your Bible, please turn with me to the book of 1 John. 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Let's also be praying for Grace, Kim, and her children as they'll be flying on Tuesday to Korea for a couple of months. And so let's pray for them as they'll be over there. Her mother is going to be celebrating a very special birthday while they're there, number 90, number 90. And so that's way beyond the Beals' three score and 10, right? And so that's a blessing that they can all go. And Ezra, this is Ezra's first time to fly to Korea. Is that correct? Yeah, so that's going to be exciting. That's going to be fun. And so let's pray for them and then pray for Brother Andrew as he's back here holding down the fort, as we say. And he'll join them later on, though, but we'll be praying for their time while they're away. We'll definitely miss them, as we would miss any of you when you're traveling. And please let us know if you're traveling. We'd love to pray for you. Thank you for praying for us. We drove all the way to Montana on Monday, drove all the way back on Tuesday, and uh, God really gave us a beautiful travel and good, and everything was safe. And Emma's there for the summer. Thank you for praying for her. She got to uh, kill her first chicken this week. Sorry if this is sorry if you are a vegetarian. <laughs> and she plucked her first chicken this week, gutted her first chicken this week. And so, uh, wow, I've never done that before. I'm missing out. I wish I was there. And uh, anyway, but uh, exciting week uh, there at camp. They were the, the camp there was given, was it 30? They were given 30 chickens, just donated 30 chickens. So, you know, I guess they were... Uh, meat chickens or whatever you call them. They weren't laying egg chickens, whatever, anyway. And so now they've got a lot of meat in the freezer there for camp this summer. So thank you for praying for her, and we're praying this summer that God would, would uh, use her to help young people and also that God would speak to her heart while she's there. So thank you for praying for her. First John chapter 1, we're going to read these three verses together. We'll read three of them, all of them together, beginning in verse number 5. 1 John 1, 5, 6, and 7. We'll read them all out loud. Ready? Ready? This, then, is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Uh, the theme of the message this morning is that verse 7 at the end of the verse, which says, the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And I'd like to speak to you on that in relation to that we are saved and sanctified by the blood of the Lamb. And I'm thankful today that the blood of the Lamb is still speaking uh, on your behalf and on my behalf, and it will never lose its power. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message of great hope today. Thank you for this message of great assurance today that we need not worry, we need not fret, and you've provided everything. As an unbeliever, that you've provided everything we need to get saved, 
As a believer, you've provided everything we need to be sanctified. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would hide me behind the cross, empty me of anything that I should not say, fill me with your spirit and help us as listeners as well. And again, Lord, please uh, convict that one here today that's not saved, or maybe there's more than one. Convict that one here today uh, that has something in their life that needs to be cleansed and help them not to lose sight in the fact that it matters not what it is, it can be cleansed. And uh, Lord, encourage that one today that there's power in this precious flow. And we thank you and praise you for all you will do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Verse 7, the Bible says, The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. A preacher one day, like today, was speaking on this particular text, and suddenly within the crowd there was a man who stood up who happened to be an atheist and who said something like this, how can blood cleanse? I mean, really, when you think about it, blood doesn't cleanse anything. If you got blood on your shirt today or blood on something today, you'd have to cleanse the blood, if you will, uh, to get it out because it would leave a stain. And so uh, the preacher was kind of taken aback by that uh, question, obviously, in the middle of the service. He didn't have an answer, and he looked through his notes, you know. He didn't really have an answer specifically related to this man's question. And so he just thought up another question, which is kind of what Jesus would have done. And uh, you know how Jesus answered questions with questions many times. And so this preacher said to this atheist, he said, well, let me ask you a question. How does water quench thirst? The man said, I'm not sure, but I know that it does. The preacher replied to that with, neither do I know how the blood of Jesus cleanses sin, but I know that it does. And this morning, really, we don't need much more than what John the Apostle writes in verse 7 to know that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from sin. That's because that's what the Word of God says. And we want to be people of the book. Yes, we want to be studying the book to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But also, we look at a verse like this. We may not completely understand how it happens, but we know that God said it happens. And so because God said that's the way it is, then by faith, we trust the word of God to be exactly that, the word of God. This book uh, in, that we are reading from today, I'm speaking specifically of 1 John, it was written not to the unsaved, it was written to believers. If you are a born-again Christian, then you would be a believer, you would be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that is who this book was written to, who, those who by faith have accepted God's gift of eternal life. We refer to it as, excuse me, we refer to it as one of the general epistles in the Word of God. It wasn't written like Galatians was written to uh, uh, Galatia and Ephesians to Ephesus and on and on it goes. So this would be what we would call a general epistle written by John the Apostle, who when he wrote it, more than likely, was the only remaining apostle, disciple who was still alive. And we know that John was exiled to Patmos. We know that John was, tradition tells us that John was as well boiled in oil, survived all of that. But he's alive now in penning, when he's penning this book, obviously, but he's the last remaining disciple apostle that is alive. 
We might say this about 1 John, and we taught through 1 John some time ago, so we're not going to do that today. We're going to come back to that one statement. But we might say that 1 John is a back to the basics of Christianity, a back to the basics of Christianity. I found this quote, the apostle deals with certainties, not opinions or conjecture. Certainties like the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. Uh, it, he expresses the absolute character of Christianity in very simple terms. Terms that are clear and unmistakable, leaving no doubt as to the fundamental nature of those truths. And so uh, this is the book of 1 John. I want you, though, to hold your finger there in 1 John, and I want you to go with me back just a few pages in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 9. We'll get into the outline here in just a moment, but I do want to show us this verse. I was thinking about this even while we were praying. God laid this verse on my heart. It, it, I thought it was in my notes already, but it wasn't. And so uh, God said, let's look at this verse uh, by way of introduction, because as we said, 1 John is written to believers, okay? It's written to people that are already saved. And so when we read the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin, uh, we're going to talk about that in detail in a moment. But we also want to recognize that uh, this message today is not just for believers. The message today is also for people that may not be born again. They may not be believers yet. They may not be saved. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 22, we read possibly a familiar verse, but, but, but possibly not. And so let's read it. I'll read it out loud. You follow along. Hebrews 9 and 22 says, and almost all things are by the law purged with what, church? Blood. Without Shedding of blood is no, what's the next word? Remission. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. This word remission means to release from bondage. By the way, that's what sin does. Do you know that sin is a, it brings bondage to the unbeliever? But can I also tell you this this morning? Sadly, sin brings bondage to the believer. Now, it shouldn't be that way, but it is. You can put, you can put sin and you can put right beside it every time equals bondage. Every single time. There's many other words you could put beside it, but you can always put bondage. Because that's exactly what sin does. And everyone in here knows today, especially if you're a little bit older, you know what I'm saying, that's to be true. That in your life, you've experienced, even as a Christian, you've experienced bondage. Now, it doesn't have to be that way, okay? I'm not saying that it's doom and gloom and we're just in bond. No, remission means to release from bondage. It means to release uh, from bondage. It means uh, to release from imprisonment. That's another thing that sin does. It's as if we're in prison and we can't get out of it. And by the way, we can't get out of it in our own ways. We can't get out of it in our own plans. We can't get out of it in our own ideas. Sin is a bondage. Sin is imprisonment. But I'm so thankful that the message that we have today, the theme of our message today, is the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. 
This isn't just, again, this message in 1 John. Let's, let's, let me say it again. It is not written to the unbeliever. It is written to the believer. And so that's a reason that we should say, hold on. That's a reason that we should say, stop. Let me dwell on this. Let me meditate on this. That means that even though I'm saved, sin can be a big problem in my life. That means that even though I'm saved, even though I know I'm on my way to heaven, I could be in bondage right now to something, possibly to someone. And that's not the way, that's not the reason God saved me. God did not save me to live in bondage. God did not save me to live in, in an imprisoned way. He saved me to live uh, in, in, in the, by the control of the Spirit of God and to live in freedom, not freedom to do whatever I want, but freedom to do what God wants me to do. Wow, what freedom we have in Christ. And so, the shedding of blood, there's no remission. There's no release from bondage. All right, let's go back to our text. And we're just going to look at that one phrase, and we're going to give three different thoughts from that one phrase. Here's the one phrase. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Okay, what do we get from this? Here's what God gave to me. Number one, cleansing is a continual process. Cleansing is a continual process. Notice that word cleanseth. It does not say that he hath cleansed or shall cleanse. Remember, words mean something. This verb, cleanseth, is in the present tense. Okay, back to English, all right? Past, present, and... Future tense, okay? All right, that's enough English for one day. But this word is in the present tense. So it's not already done. It's not in the past. It's not that he's going to do it. He's doing it right now. So this cleansing is a continual process. We can do more than merely hope that we will one day be cleansed. I like this. We can do more than merely hope we will one day be cleansed. In other words, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, as a believer, I can be cleansed today. I can be cleansed right now. I can live in the very moment of life all the time being cleansed. Cleanseth us. And by the way, just like we know, we don't take a shower on Sunday or on Saturday night for the rest of the week. If you do that, don't tell me, all right? You got to take one every once in a while. I'm not going to go into, you know, whatever. You figure that out yourself. But if you took one, now I know back in the day, that's how it was, you know. But those were the good old days, supposedly, you know. One bath a week, praise the Lord. Anyway, don't raise your hand if you were in that time. But anyway, and everybody shared the same bath water. Have you ever been there? Anyway, moving right along. The blood cleanseth us from all sin. It's continual. It's in the moment, if you will. Let's go back uh, to in our Bibles to an Old Testament verse that I believe will be an encouragement to the book of Zechariah. Right before Malachi is the book of Zechariah. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. And let's go to Zechariah. 
So we can do more than merely hope we will one day be cleansed. You know, many times the devil, we'll look at Zechariah in just a minute. Many times the devil has you in bondage and me in bondage as a Christian because of sin. And it's just, it's on our hearts, it's on our minds. And how can we do anything for God because of this sin in our life? You know how you can do something for God? You can get that sin cleansed right now, today. There's no reason to be walking around in this world with sin that hasn't been cleansed yet. You can repent of that sin today. You can get the cleansing that the God can give, that God wants to give today. Don't walk out of here. Don't walk out of here in, in 30 minutes when we're all done and, and, we're, and we're having some music and we're shaking hands and whatever and leave in the same condition as you came. If there's something in your life, I want to encourage you. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. God wants to cleanse you today, Christian. God wants to cleanse me today. It might be something that only you and God know about. Well, get it right with God today. You can be cleansed now. Don't let Satan continue to hold that over your head, whatever it may be. We can do more than merely hope one day we'll be cleansed because of what Jesus did on the cross for me and for you. We can be cleansed today. Washed away. Cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Praise the Lord for that cleansing. Zechariah chapter 13. In verse 1, the Bible says, In that day, Zechariah 13, sorry, I didn't give you the chapter. Just give you a moment there. Zechariah 13, 1, In that day, there shall be a fountain. A fountain. I think that's a key statement. It's a fountain, so it's different. It, it's continuously running. Never stopping. Open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Notice, what's the fountain for? Sin and uncleanness. I think this is nothing more than a picture of the fountain of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. A picture of the fountain of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that, that is today available to you and to me that is available and powerful and cleansing, doing that cleansing work in my life each and every day of my life. And by the way, I need it every day. I don't think you can hardly go a day without getting dirty. I'm not saying that in a, in a crass way, okay? I'm saying that in a way that, boy, living in this world... We don't want to be of it, but we're in it. Many times, though, the, the flesh rises up and the spirit is weak and the flesh rises up. We're not walking in the light, as John said here in 1 John 1. And so we need that cleansing. But it's available. It's a continual process. It's a fountain that never runs dry. Praise God for that. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's turn over there quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I love this passage of Scripture. Paul's speaking here to the church at Corinth, and he's talking to some people that had a pretty, pretty uh, detailed resume of sin. And he lists it all out, and, but he says in verse 11, may this encourage us today. Notice verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 6. And such were some of you. 
such were. How many of you know the tense of that verb? Past tense. You get 100% on the quiz, Brother Ruben. Very good. All right, the English quiz. There you go. You got it. Okay, it's past tense. They're no longer what he listed in um, verses 9 and 10. I'm not going to take time to read verses 9 and 10, but in verses 9 and 10 is quite the lengthy list of, 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 of sins that are there. And, and Paul says, that's what you used to be. By the way, if you're saved today, that's what we used to be. We're no longer in that. We're in Christ. We're covered by His blood. We are saved, as I said. We are, we have, um, uh, we've been remitted. It's been remitted. We've been set free. We've been uh, released from bondage, released from prison. Such were some of you. Notice what he says. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Oh, this morning, dear Christian, rejoice in the fact that that is what we were. Rejoice in the fact that the blood of Christ has redeemed us, has justified us, is sanctifying us. It isn't in your good deeds. It isn't in your merit or my merit, but it's in the precious blood of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's past tense, but it's a continual process. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And he's still working on you to make you what you ought to be. Number one, it is a continual process. Number two, started to touch on this already, but number two, there is nothing that can be added for cleansing. Let's look at it again. 1 John 1, 7. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. There's nothing that can be added for the cleansing. Notice it says there, only it lists one thing. It does not say the blood of Christ and keeping the law. If it were that, it would have said that. So let's not read into it. We have some people today that think they know more than the Bible. And so I don't want to think that way. I don't want to be that way. I can't help what they think. I got to control me. You got to, well, I can't control me. I need the Spirit to control me and uh, the Spirit to control you. So let's pray that God helps us to never get to a place in our life where we think we know more than the Bible. But the Bible here says it very clearly. It doesn't list anything else. It just says the blood. It does not say the blood of Christ and church membership cleanseth us from all sin. And you can fill it in all of that. It doesn't say the blood of Christ and whatever. It says simply the blood of Christ cleanseth us from all sin. The blood of Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ is the sole and sovereign way for my sins to be cleansed. Now, again, this is the way that they are cleansed in the past. This is the way that they are cleansed now, as we just said a few moments ago. And this is also the way that they are cleansed in the future. Oh, precious is the flow that washed us white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Mr. Spurgeon said about this passage of Scripture, Observe yet again that in the verse that we're reading, there is no hint given of any emotions. 
Pastor, I just don't feel it. You don't have to feel it. Sometimes I don't feel it. But my feelings don't change the facts. God's word supersedes feelings every single time. No, I'm thankful for a few good feelings every once in a while, aren't you? Okay? I'm thankful for some good, tired, and, you know, rejoicing in the things of the Lord. That's okay. We need that too, but don't make that the norm. Don't make that the every week thing. You know, if I don't feel it, you know, this Sunday, I, I leave services on Sunday. I just didn't feel it today. I don't know what happened. Well, I don't know what pastor, maybe a pastor was just not on his game today, or maybe I just wasn't listening well today or something. I just didn't feel it. That's okay. You don't have to feel it. You just have to know the facts. Let the, let the word of God change your life. Let the word of God uh, uh, cleanse you uh, and, 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 and give you that, uh, well, the water of the word, excuse me, to come in. And, and uh, so he said, observe yet again that in the verse there's no hint of given of any emotions, feelings, or attainments as cooperating co- 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 with the blood. Cooperating with the blood. It doesn't take the blood and this. I, I have to feel it. No. The blood only. Christ took the sins of His people and was punished for those sins as if He had been Himself a sinner. And so, sin is taken away from us. But in no sense, degree, shape, or form is sin removed by attainments, by emotions, by feelings or by experiences. There's nothing that can be added for the cleansing. That's a blessing. Because if it were, how much has to be added? Can you add it enough? Can I add enough? But it's not that way. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. Number one, we said the cleansing is a continual process. Number two, we said that There's nothing that can be added for cleansing, but let's look at one more thought. Cleansing is a universal remedy. A universal remedy. Notice the word before sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from, and what's that word? All. Now you say, surely uh, the blood of Jesus Christ, it will cleanse me from uh, you know, I, I lied over here, and I, I'm sure it can take care of that lie. And then there's this sin, and there's that sin. But you know what? Maybe there's one over here on this side that you think, man, this is a really big one. But no, it's a universal remedy. It doesn't say only the little white lies. It says every sin. All sin can be cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It absolves not only from the clean, the cleansing not only absolves from the sin itself, but it absolves from the guilt of sin. And it shelters us. It shelters us from the wrath of God. Whoa, the wrath of God. Let's go to John 3.36. Some of you might know this one. It's a good verse to memorize. Let's go to John 3.36. It shelters us from the wrath of God. You know, if you're saved today and you know Christ as you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior by faith, you have... You have received the gift of eternal life uh, by faith because you can't get it any other way. Uh, I want you to know something. You will never experience the wrath of God. 
The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Christ. It's why in the middle of the day, when Jesus was crucified, in the middle of the day, it went dark. It's not quite that time here yet, but you can imagine this afternoon if you're home, you're, maybe you got your feet up on the coffee table if you're allowed to do that, and I'm just kidding. You have your feet up on the coffee table or wherever, and you're maybe just kind of resting and meditating on the things of God, or you know, you're eating just something, you're just reading a good book or whatever, and thinking about the service tonight or whatever, and all of a sudden, it goes blackout. I don't think you're going to discontinue on with whatever you were doing without checking something. You know, maybe you're going to go directly to Google. Maybe you're going to go, I don't know where you're going to go, but what just happened? It doesn't go from being light out to dark out in an instant, and that's exactly what happened on Golgotha's hill on that day because the wrath of God was placed on the Son of God and the sins of mankind were placed on the Son of God and God being completely holy could not even look at His Son for that moment and He turned His back on His Son and darkness fell over the whole world. As you think about that and maybe read about that, that's what I deserve. But the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. It shields us. It's universal. It shields us from the wrath of God. If you're in John 3, we're looking at John 3 and verse 36. He that believeth on the Son, and you'll notice it's a capital S, that's referencing the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. So if you're saved today, you have everlasting life right now. You don't get it when you die. You have it now. And that's it. It's a present possession. We've said that over and over again, but let's just, and I'm not saying believe it because I've said it over and over again. It's what the Word of God says. It says you have it means you have it now. Not someday, you have it now. And he that believeth not the Son of God shall not see life. Notice this last statement, sobering statement. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Notice the tense there, the wrath of God abideth on him. It doesn't mean that someday the wrath of God will be on him. The wrath of God is already on him. Or her. Why? Because when, when God looks down at someone we, you know, who's not saved and he doesn't see what he sees when he looks at your life, if you're saved, he, he doesn't see your sin. Right? Amen? Be thankful for that. <laughs> because if he saw your sin, then his wrath would be on you. He doesn't see my sin. He doesn't see all of those things in the past. He doesn't see even the few. What does he see? He sees that the blood has been applied. And so, like in Exodus, when they left, the, uh, when they left the, the, uh, Egypt on that last plague, the death angel went in, and the death angel did not go into the houses that had the blood over the doorposts because he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so, the same is true for us today. When God sees your heart, if you've been saved, he doesn't see a dark heart. He doesn't see a sinful heart. He sees a cleansed heart. And he sees the blood of Jesus. And the death angel passes by. The wrath of God passes by because he can't pour out his wrath on someone who's already said, 
I plead the blood. I need Jesus. By the way, you need Jesus too. If you've never been saved, come to Christ today. Don't wait. This may be your last moment. This may be your last chance. It says that the wrath of God abideth on him. So this blood of Jesus Christ absolves from the guilt of sin and it shelters from the wrath of God. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses, cleanses us, cleanseth us of all of our sin. The sin that I inherited from Adam, he cleansed that. You know, I was born a sinner. Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon how many men? All men, Romans 5.12 says it passed upon all men. How did it pass upon all men? Through Adam. That's what that's talking about in Romans 5.12. So I have a record when I'm born. Yes, this cute little baby boy, this cute little baby girl is a sinner. By the way, it doesn't take long to figure that out. Moving on. Because they're like their dad, right? Just like their dad. Crying when they're hungry, just like their dad still does. Just in a different way. When's dinner? No, here we go. The sin we inherited from Adam. How about this? The sin we committed as a child. The sin I committed while growing up. The sins against a father or a mother. The sin against society. All of them cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Sins against a friend, sins against my enemy, lying, stealing, cheating, adultery, swearing, drugs, booze, promiscuity, murder, sins that haunt us every day, sins we don't even know we did because we've forgotten them. All of them. It's universal. All sin can be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ unlocks all of our chains. The blood of Jesus Christ is the price of our liberty. It's the price and the purifying of my soul. While we rejoice on the way out today, I hope you're rejoicing on the way out today. With that rejoicing, might there always be a remembrance of what it cost for us to have this Remission of sin. In the Old Testament, when they would kill the, the, the lamb, or excuse me, when they would get the blood from the lamb, there's no other way to get it but to kill it. Death. Jesus Christ died, shed his blood. He didn't just die. But along with that death, he shed his blood, and it's, as the Bible says, it's somehow miraculously still interceding on our behalf in heaven today. So while we rejoice in the universal cleansing of our sin, let's not forget that it wasn't shed so that we could go out and live in sin and live however we want. No, we should be living in the fear of God and the appreciation of God and limiting. And as, as we've said, that we may never be uh, without sin, yes, but we could sin less. Because in our mind, we're thinking about what Christ did on the cross and that appreciation that comes with it. Revelation 1 and verse 5. 
you want to turn there, I'm going to read now. But Revelation 1 and verse 5 says, And, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Unto him that loved us. First Peter 1, verse 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold. From your vain conversation, your living, it's talking about living in vanity. By tradition from your fathers. But ye were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and spot. Cleansing is a universal remedy. The last hymn that we sang today was written, if you notice, by a man by the name of William Cooper. It looks like it would be pronounced Cowper, but it's actually pronounced Cooper. He was born in the midst of a time in many lives of mental anguish. And yet, Mr. William Cooper, a beloved hymn writer, would pen an anthem of God's redeeming love. He was born in England, November 15, 1731, almost 300 years ago. He was born into the home of an English clergyman. His mother was from a prominent family of English royalty. He was educated in private schools as a small child and at Westminster School earning a degree in law. He would later pass a bar exam, licensed to practice as a solicitor in the lower courts, of the English justice system. But in spite of all this, William Cooper was very physically and emotionally frail. You might say he was born into the ideal home, but he had great difficulties one after another. He was very emotionally unstable. His mother died when he was only six years of age. He could not process this as a six-year-old boy, as I, I don't know how that would work. I, I didn't have to go through that. It is said about his life that he never stopped grieving for his mother. He passed the law exam, as we said, licensed as a lawyer, and it looked like everything was going well, but he had a mental breakdown, which he never fully recovered. He never would practice law. Can you imagine that? going through all of the education and all of the work, yet he never practiced it one day. Instead, he preferred study and writing of literature. In fact, it's said that for 18 months, uh, William Cooper was actually in an insane asylum. Man, I was reading his, I've read his story a few times, but rereading it again, it, uh, 
It's amazing. He would go through periods of deep depression. But during those times, he found himself reading the Scriptures. I hope this isn't just a little story about a 300-year man who born 300 years ago, because I think all of us can relate to some of this. Remembering his spiritual upbringing as a child and his concern for the eternal destiny of his soul, he struggled with the question of his salvation and peace with God. One day, while reading the book of Romans, he was confronted with the words of the Apostle Paul, which wrote, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And he read down through verse 25. He was 33 years of age in 1764. He was convicted by the Holy Spirit of God. And on that day, he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and was saved. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ, Ephesians 2.13. What once William Cooper felt like he was a long way off, can you imagine, in the insane asylum, this is somebody who was educated, this is somebody who had everything by this world's standards, but he was a broken man, and that brokenness brought him to the Word of God. And the Word of God brought him to the blood of Jesus Christ. His life would never be the same. Among the 67 hymns written by William Cooper while living at only under the patient care of Mrs. Unwin and spiritual inspiration of his pastor, John Newton, by the way, you might recognize that name, kind of wrote a hymn that we've sang a few times. While sitting alone one day at his desk in his little house under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and with the words of Zechariah 13.1, actually, Fresh on his mind, he began to pen the comforting words of the song that we sang just a few moments ago. I won't read all of the lyrics. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all, lose all their guilty stains. He would die April 25th, 1800. Several years later, Mr. Lowell Mason would set his words to music. In spite of his mental depression, emotional melancholy, and spiritual doubts, God used this man, his experiences. Think about this now. This is just one man in the course of history. You know, sometimes we think, I'm just one person. That's right. You're one person that God created in his image for his glory for a specific time for such a time as this. You are. You're just one person. But with the touch of God on our life, maybe we won't be writing hymns that will be sung 300 years later or 200 years later. That's okay. Our lives are valuable. Why are our lives valuable? How do we know, Brother Barry, how do we know our lives are valuable? We look at the cross. We look at what Christ gave up. We look at the scripture today, and we see the blood 
of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. It's needed for salvation, but it's also needed for sanctification.